assurance that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, it's a simple concept, but it's so powerful. And Paul covers everything under heaven and earth when he says there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Nothing in our past and nothing in our future. Nothing that we do will decrease or increase his love for us. He gives it freely and unearned. Aren't you so thankful for that love today? Heaven has come, and now you've taken us. 
the Lord. Thank the Lord. If somehow we could understand today that somehow the valleys that we all walk through is only a conduit to the next glory and to the next glory and to the next glory. Everybody say amen. Would you clap your hands one more time to Jesus? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell him I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. And you may be seated for just a moment. As all of you will remember, uh, we had a business meeting this past August to really fast track uh, paying off our campus. And uh, I, I want to take you on a little journey here this morning so all of you will be uh, abreast of that. I know I just give little snippets and uh, I'm not sure maybe everybody understands and uh, the magnitude of what we're trying to do. So I want to take you down a little journey. won't take but a moment uh, this morning. But um, we, we, we keep mentioning that uh, our payoff is this and our payoff is that. So I just want to let everybody know here on, on Sunday morning that uh, actually on April the 30th, 2010, uh, we borrowed $400,000 to buy this building. And then essentially one month later, on May the 30th, 2010, we had to borrow another $100,000 to replace the roof and do some other repairs. And then about a year later, in May, May 26 of 2011, we again had to borrow $85,000. We bought this building with no money in case y'all are not hearing that. It was a huge step of faith and, and we did it and here we are. But uh, a year later on May the 26th, 2011, uh, we felt it necessary to approach the bank again so we could buy the acre next door to us uh, that would give us a lot of expansion room for the future. So that added another 85000 And then a year later again, on May the 30th, 2012, we borrowed another $100,000 to make repairs and to bring all of our electrical systems here up to code. And at that time, we recarpeted the sanctuary, bought the chairs you're sitting on, and did major renovations virtually to the entire building. <clears throat> and then in April, April the 6th, 2016, uh, we borrowed another $250,000 to add to the $250,000 in cash we had saved up to build the Alexander Center next door. That brought our total loan value up to $744,302. So as you know, in our business meeting this past August, we voted to try to fast track the payoff of our campus as quickly as possible. So along the way, uh, we've been keeping you informed of principal payments that we were able to make. So after our January payment this year, uh, our principal dropped to $55,015. Well, God opened the windows of heaven again. And uh, this past Wednesday, Sister Murph and I met at the bank. And after three years, three years and 10 months, owing $744,302, we paid our campus off in full. It's all paid. 
That's pretty cool right there. Isn't that awesome? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So, again, in less than four years, in less than four years, God has blessed Grace Church supremely to pay off a $744,000 debt. And I am incredibly thankful that God has blessed you folks to give. He has blessed you folks abundantly to give. And we thank you so very much for your giving. So I have in my hand this morning our promissory note from the bank. And I think they'll put that on the screen so you can see it. There it is. You can see that our principal payment reached $744,302.03 as of April the 6th, 2016. And then they're going to post another picture on the screen that shows that it is paid in full. Uh, it's paid. It's done. So this is our promissory note. So I'm very happy to repeat an action we saw earlier uh, a week or so ago. We're just going to do this right here. We're done. God is good. Let's praise him again. Hallelujah to God. Let's praise him for being so great. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's just rejoice for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. What a moment. God is good, isn't he? One more time, let's just clap our hands and celebrate. God is doing. I think that I think that our job, uh, as the ushers come, we're going to move rapidly through the service. Come forward, ushers, if you don't mind, as you prepare to give. I think our job is just to continue to flow with God as He blesses. We're just going to keep following His lead, keep letting Him bless, and we're just going to insert ourselves right in the middle of what God's doing and see where He will lead us. Amen. 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 God bless you today. I want to give you an opportunity to give. The ushers are going to serve you. Let's pray before they do. Jesus, we are so thankful for this incredible, incredible blessing. Lord, what a day. What a moment. It's, it's something that we can say, look what the Lord has done. I pray, God, you would bless the service, bless those that give today for the furtherance of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, for that amazing presentation. Great, great news all the way around. I do want to take a moment and welcome all of you here this morning. We're glad you're here. Those joining on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you have joined us today and that you're celebrating God's presence with us today. You are welcome and we are glad that you're here. I do want to remind you of just a couple of things coming up, a couple of important things coming up this week. Um, first and foremost, our students have resumed their normal schedule on Wednesday night, all of our young people and kids, with the exception of Kids Church. Kids Church, uh, all those folks, the kids, will be meeting in the sanctuary on Wednesday nights in here with our adult Bible study. Now, I am happy to tell you that we're working very rapidly and very quickly to try to get um, Kids Church going as quickly as possible. There's a lot of positive movement in that direction, and it may not be to the end of February if we can get things worked out. But for now, plan to be in here for the month of February if you're Kids Church age. And as you know, we've been announcing that the chocolate-covered strawberry She's for Christ fundraiser was coming. You needed to get your order in. Well, here's the deal. Today is the deadline. Today is the last day. If you're, if you're like me and you've been putting off ordering your chocolate-covered strawberries, 
well, today's the day. We've got to get with it. And my understanding is, is that orders are coming in, that they're selling very well, and we want to make sure everybody has a chance to be a part of this. So you can order on your way out in Grand Central. There's, a, there's an order form, an order sheet, or you can order online on our website. It'll take you to Eventbrite, and you can order that way as well. But we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to order these. Tremendous, tremendous fundraiser for Sheaves for Christ. It's the first one we do every year. And it always kind of gets us our momentum going so that we can reach our goal for Sheaves for Christ. So please help us be a part of that. Help us by being a part of that. And then Tuesday morning, there will be Tuesday prayer here uh, for Tuesday morning prayer at 9 o'clock in the sanctuary. And then the last thing I want to remind you about is, and if you'll mark your calendar, if this applies to you, on March the 15th, Sunday, March the 15th, we'll be having our baby dedication service. If that applies to you, you'd like to have your baby dedicated, please get with Sister Sheila in the office and get your name on the list for March the 15th so, so that we can serve you in that way. Had an amazing email that was sent to the church this week that I wanted to share with you. I don't know how many of you know that the church serves our community in many ways, but one of the ways that we serve our community is by bringing lunch to the teachers of the central school system. We do that on a very consistent basis. And uh, Sister Sheila, Sister Renita, and their team are the ones responsible for delivering lunches to the teachers at various times throughout the school year. We pick a different school in the central school system to do that. And I can tell you, I'm married to a teacher, and I can tell you there's many days where the teachers aren't even able to go eat lunch. They, they're so busy, so much going on in a day to go to the teacher's lounge and heat up a lunch and get a lunch together and all that. There's just no time in the day to do that. So when we bring lunches in, it's very much appreciated. These teachers, it's a hot meal. It's, you know, they can't run out on their lunch hour and go get lunch like, like other professions can. So it's a great blessing to bring a hot lunch into them and, and serve them in that way. And so uh, Sister Sheila and her team did that this past Friday over at Central High School, brought in um, well over 100 lunches uh, from Raising Canes to our teachers. And, of course, we do that as an act of service, an act of love to reach our community. But it's nice when they reply back and you get some feedback and, and hear what it means to them. And so Coach Morrow, the high school, Central High School wrestling coach and math teacher, sent a very nice email to the church. And I want to read that to you here. It's not very long, but it's very impactful. Dear Grace Church, we were treated to Raising Cane's Chicken today. Of course it was good. But what made it really good was not the secret sauce, but the generosity of your church to provide a wonderful free meal to a bunch of people that try real hard every day to educate the next generation of the, of the uh, central community. I hope your church continues to grow and prosper. Thank you for the generous gift today, Coach Morrow. And so that's just one, one uh, testimony, one feedback that we got of how much this means to these folks when we do this and so I wanted you to know today what Grace Church is up to during the week and what, how we're outreaching our community, some of the things we do to reach our community. Why don't we give Sister Sheila and her team a great big hand for doing this. We're getting ready to worship the Lord but one last announcement before I do. Today is Cotton Candy Sunday. It is, it is worth a hand clap. <laughs> I will tell you this, my kids have not forgotten it. 
They've reminded me all throughout the week that today was Cotton Candy Sunday. Well, not that we would have expected anything less, but Pastor was true to his word. And so on the way out today, be sure to get your cotton candy free from Grace Church. We want you to go home and enjoy it. God bless you today. We're going to worship the Lord together in our worship set. God bless you, Grace Church.
Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful today for the love of God? Aren't you thankful for the love of God? Throughout my tenure in ministry for the past 35 plus years, I've encountered people more frequently than I would really care to that wants everything explained when it comes to the love of God, the grace of God, and the working of the ministry of the Holy Ghost in our lives. I think when you try to put the love and grace of God under a microscope, you destroy it. You take it by faith. You take it in trust. And I can tell you of a truth today. There's a room full of people that have done that. And the love of God and the grace of God has not let us down yet. He's still real. He's still powerful. And I'm glad to be a child of God today. Glad to be a child of God today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And uh, I've noticed, especially this year, I've noticed it especially this year, our singers and, and our musicians and all of that, uh, they're amplified as, as correctly and as properly as we can. Chris does an amazing job. All of that's metered, and we don't let it go over so many decibels and all that stuff. And God bless you folks that sit right over here in front of those speakers. Hopefully, before the year's out, we'll have them up in the ceiling somewhere where it won't that's what's happened to Steve Elsendrath. Hair just blew it plumb off uh, behind him. So, uh, but anyway, uh, but I've noticed this year that even with a, a speaker in front of the ministry team, so we can hear, and the, even the, the the speakers amplifying the musicians and singers over here on the platform, I can still hear a roar of worship coming out of from you folks. You override that. We can hear that up here. It's an amazing thing. And I thank God for that. We're not here to be entertained. We're here to entertain Him. There's an audience of one here today. It's an audience of one, and His name is Jesus. And it's Him who we worship. It's Him who we worship. Let's praise Him again. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I do want to ask all of you, that give so generously and liberally to BBT, that's Building Better Together, to use the antiquated term of building fund. Uh, that's what that is. It's just building better together. And uh, we've used that money. It's come in every month. Every single month that goes has gone towards our principal payment. Well, now that we don't have a payment anymore, we're going to ask you to continue to do that so that when we get ready to build a new sanctuary, hopefully on that acre that we bought, right after we bought this building. We won't have to go to the bank and maybe ask them for quite so much money. So if you can keep doing that, it would be deeply, deeply appreciated. And one quick thing I need to say, and I, I hate to say it, it's not a good time to say it, but it's got to be said. Um, we have people that every week they'll sweep the, they'll go through the sanctuary and just pick up, tidy up. We have it done after church on Wednesday night and after service on Sunday. And I was told several weeks ago that they found a can of Vienna sausage 
that was my response. All of you that just did, they were, that's what I did. And uh, they found a half of a cheeseburger. I mean, if y'all are that hungry, we'll set up a picnic table back there in that back corner, and y'all just go back there and eat your lunch while church is going on if you want to. But um, I would appreciate, I would appreciate you folks eating before you come or waiting until after you go. Especially when it comes to that kind of stuff. Really? A can of Vienna sausage? You know who you are if you're here this morning. There ain't going to be many that's going to duplicate this thing right here. Please don't bring sardines, man. You'll stink up the place. I thought that was just a little over the top right there. Some spam and bologna and all that kind of stuff. Folks, please help us. We try to keep our sanctuary appropriate and clean. So if you'd help us, we'd appreciate it. Before we turn to the Word of God, uh, I'll have a, a very dear and a very special prayer request. Most of you have heard that our good friend and former member of Grace Church, probably still is a member of Grace Church. Let me rephrase that. Brother Phil Elwood passed away this week. And uh, I'd like for us to remember uh, Brother Merrill and Sister Christy and their family in prayer that God would be with them through this very difficult time. I'll never forget the service. Uh, we had a guest speaker. Brother Phil had been out of church. He walked away from God some 30 plus years prior and walked down that center aisle about where Owen Cooper is standing and reestablished that relationship. God refilled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he never looked back. And I'm confident to say that he left a broken cancer ridden body and he got a new one a few days ago and he'll never have that problem again thank you I want to tell you one of the greatest honors one of the greatest honors of being called to ministry being called to pastor is when people pass from this life to that one that's been under your pastoring and you just have that peace of God that you know that everything was okay. Sister Christy texted and said he will be amening Jesus from somewhere in heaven for the rest of eternity and hollering, preach, those of you that know him. I don't know if Jesus will be doing any preaching in heaven, but if he does, there's going to be at least one person there backing him up. Love, Brother Phil. And we'll miss him. So, I'm going to read my scripture text and as we pray over the message and the rest of the service today uh, let's pray for Sister Christy and her family the Bible said in Proverbs 29 verse 18 where there is no vision where there is no vision the people perish I want to preach to you for a little while today the ultimate in vision the ultimate and vision. Let's pray over this. Let's pray for Sister Christy and her family. Father, we love you today, and we're thankful for your amazing grace that's here today. The grace of God has permeated this atmosphere. The love of God has manifested itself. And God, we've praised, we've worshiped, and now at least as our custom is, it's time for the word of God. And I pray today that it not return void pray that the will of God is done in this service today that you speak to our hearts, that your presence stays right here. 
pray in Jesus' name that you have your way, that you talk to our hearts. Pray for Sister Christy and her family. This is a very trying time. It's not easy to say goodbye. And we hope for that day that we're all joined together again and we'll never say goodbye again. Pray, God, that you would comfort them, that you would be with them, that you would, your presence would be felt and manifest. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. Thank you for standing. And you may be seated. I want to thank our ushering staff and our security team. Today, you folks are doing an amazing job. And thank you so very much. Thank you so very much for being there and uh, doing what you do. Much appreciated. Brother Troy's doing a great job with our security team. Brother Mike's doing a great job with uh, our ushering staff. I thank both of you men so very much. I want to begin today by saying, and you'll notice the screen, there must be vision for every church, every home, every family, and every individual. Forethought and plans for the future must be in place to stay close to God and keeping that relationship biblical and growing. We cannot afford to be lax, we cannot afford to be lukewarm, we cannot afford to be haphazard in our relationship with God. Our culture is screaming for every person in this building today to be worldly, to be carnal, to forget the church thing, to forget the God thing, and then just enjoy life, party, and live it up. We can't let that happen, folks. There's been a revival in Grace Church this year. A number of our families have and are drawing closer to God. I want to say here in passing, it doesn't matter what other churches in the area are doing and they're saying it's okay. Other churches, other pastors in the area, I apologize for being so direct here, but it needs to be said. Our standard of worship, our standard of lifestyle comes from the book. It comes from this book not what everybody else in the area is doing. Everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So families have committed more. They're giving more. They're doing more. And the challenge ahead of us today is to not be weary in well-doing, but maintain the course of growth we're on as it relates to staying faithful, dependable, prayerful, spiritual, to let God be our priority, the focal point in our mind. True vision, whether it be church, home, family, individual, true vision begins with spiritual perception. Everybody say spiritual perception. Where there is no vision, the Bible said, when there's no forethought, when there's no planning, when there's no urgency, when there's no priority, then your family will perish. You will perish. I told someone this morning in your cotton candy that you're going to get after church, you're welcome, is going to be wrapped in that little piece of paper that has a quote I made a couple of Sundays ago that one of these days when you're in heaven, Somebody's going to walk up to you and say, thank you. Thank you for living it. 
Thank you for praying. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving the whole nine yards. It's going to be worth it, folks. One of these days, it's going to be worth it. Oh, yes, it is. So true vision, it doesn't begin with your career. It doesn't begin with your college education or graduating high school. It doesn't begin with the next pay raise. It begins on your knees somewhere in a prayer closet. That's where it begins, and that's where planning should start. Our job should not be the dominant factor in our life. Even our family should not be the dominant factor. But whatever God wants, the will of God and God's purpose in our life should be the dominant controlling factor in our life. And if you're going to go to heaven one day, it will be. True vision begins with spiritual perception. And some people, in my opinion, seemingly have no perception at all, spiritual or otherwise. When you're out looking in your yard for something you've lost, why do people walk up and ask, did you lose something? And then they ask while you're searching, did you find it yet? Yeah, I found it, but I'm still looking. At the risk of being rude, you won't ask them, what do you think I'm doing out here, checking the fire ant population or what? What's going on? Or why do people who see you trying to dig your car out of a mud hole ask, are you stuck? You feel like saying, no, my car died and I want to give it a decent burial. (laughs) Or yet even more disgusted and struggling with a Flat tire on a rainy night beside a busy road. Why do people ask, do you have a flat tire? Of course not. I always rotate my tires at night on the shoulder of a busy road when it's raining. People need to see to understand some things, to have spiritual insight. True vision begins with spiritual perception. Where there is no vision, people perish. So people need to see, to understand some things, to have spiritual insight. We need, we must have spiritual perception. The way we see things must be more than just domestic and just cultural. The Bible said in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen. Thou hast well seen. We need to well see. We need to have a deep conviction about what we see around us and what we plan for our homes and our family and for our church. We must have spiritual perception. The Bible said that Jesus came unto his own and his own received, you could say, perceived him not. They could not discern who he was. Jacob questioned, all these things are against me, he said. No perception. The woman, Jesus said to the woman at the well, if thou knewest, she had no perception. 
the artist showed his latest painting to a friend. And the friend said, that looks terrible. The artist said, oh, I forgot. I've only roughed it in on the canvas. The picture is still in my mind. You can't see what I see. And I feel oftentimes the Spirit of the Lord has the same frustration with you and I. He's given us a sketch on a canvas and he wants us to perceive. He he, he does not need the church to be postured where God has to roll everything out and show you everything that's going to transpire over the next months and years. God wants us to read the word of God and perceive that we're living in the end time. We're living in the closing days of man as we know it today. We need to understand that. If anybody ever listens to the news, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I believe the rapture of the church is imminent. I do. And it wouldn't hurt my feelings if it happened today hallelujah we need to see we need to stop putting everything under the microscope and questioning everything it's a trust thing it's a faith thing it's a belief thing to read the word of God and then to take God at face value. This is what I'm going to do. This is what my family is going to do. This is what my kids are going to do. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The disciples had been fishing all night, but Jesus came and said, try the other side. And they said, But master, we've toiled all night. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at thy word, they had enough perception to take Jesus at his word. Perception is to know the difference. Perception is to know the difference between rebellion against God's will and yielding to his will. Perception is to know the difference between joy and unhappiness, between victory and defeat. Perception is to know the difference between the guided life and the wandering life, between the life of fellowship with God and living outside of fellowship with God, between the fruitful life and the barren life. It takes perception to understand and to see the difference between the hopeful life and the hopeless life, between walking in the light and walking in the shadows of doubt, between the peaceful life and the life of fretfulness. Many years ago, a young man went to work at a hardware store. He found all sorts of junk that took up space that did not sell well. So the clerk asked the owner to allow him to put it all on one table and sell each item for 10 cents. He did so and had a successful sale. Later he did the same thing and had another successful sale. The clerk approached the owner and suggested that they open up a store specializing in items that only cost a nickel or a dime. The owner thought it was a bad idea and refused. The clerk went on to go into business for himself and became very successful with his idea. His name was F.W. Woolworth. His old employer later said, I have calculated that every word I use to turn young Woolworth down has cost me a million dollars. It's a lack of vision. 
It's a lack of vision. And there's people here today that lack vision. I'll remind you again that the Bible said where there is no vision, we cannot be visionless when it comes to our church or our family or our home or the rest of our life. We must set a course for tomorrow. And Jesus needs to be the priority. Jesus needs to be in the middle of it. A vision is seeing the unseen. The architect envisions a a building before plans are drawn and construction begins. The farmer envisions a crop before the ground is ever broken and before seed is ever planted. The general of an army envisions the battle and anticipates the victory. There must be vision. In the book of Acts, Peter saw the vision of the clean and unclean. And then he saw the work or the fulfillment of that vision saving the household of Cornelius. For the child of God, there is inspiration and encouragement for the battle of life when he sees his Lord so disheartened, discouraged, child of God here today. I encourage all of you to look to Jesus. If you feel powerless here today, look to Jesus. If your family is spinning out of control, look to Jesus. If you're without security and without hope and without future, look to Jesus. Lives are being transformed by a vision of Jesus. Men are changed into humble servants. Wayward sinners are made worthy saints. The Saul of Tarshish became Paul the missionary by a vision from the Lord. Where there is no vision, people perish. Jesus urged his disciples to get a vision of a lost world. Jesus said, Say not ye, there are yet four months. And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. The Lord was urging his disciples and even urging us today to get a view of a lost world when he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. As we read in Acts, the burden of reaching the lost of reaching at least their known part of the world, did not grip the children, the, the church in Jerusalem. They did not hasten to obey the command of Jesus until dire persecution came. And even then, they stayed very local. It was the church at Antioch that began the great missionary program, not Jerusalem. It was the church at Antioch that began the great missionary program with Barnabas and Paul. After prayer and fasting, the Spirit of God said, Separate me now, Barnabas and Paul. Some might have thought them foolish, but they had a vision for lost people, for lost souls. I believe that some of our trials, listen to pastor here today. This is for everybody sitting in the building. I believe that some of our trials and some of our hardships is God's way of trying to wake us up and realize that there is a harvest field around us. May I go back for a moment to the beginning of my message. We must have vision for our church, for our home, and for our family, and for you and I as individual people. 
but we cannot exclude and only look inward. We cannot forget about those that are around us, people we work with, our neighbor, our friends. They have to be included in our vision. This is scriptural. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And somebody said, Amen. The old song says, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. That may I ever do my part to win that soul for thee. If I may express some accolade here today, I want to give, first of all, Steve Ellsenrath a lot of accolade here today. He's texted me numerous times this year and saying, Pastor, I have this person coming to church with me. I have that person coming to church with me. I expect to see this family in church with me, and so on. Several Sundays ago, he invited a man that came to our church, I believe, for the first time, and came up here that service after I preached a hardcore sermon on sin. He repented of his, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we baptized him at the conclusion of that service. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. I can tell you confidently that Brother Steve has established a vision for his home, for his marriage, for his family, for his kids, and all of that, but he has not excluded those who he works with and those he rubs shoulders with, and I give him applause for that. He's obeying the commandment of Jesus, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then yesterday, I had kind of an impromptu lunch, if you will, with Kelton Nose. Kelton has relayed to a couple of people. He used to be a, a drummer back in the day, got away from it. And so a few months ago, he bought a set of drums to practice up. And hopefully one day he can be, he'll be able to help us out here at Grace Church. He was put them out in his garage. I don't know if he did that voluntarily or if Christy said, hey, if you're going to play them things, dude, they're going outside. <laughs> I think the latter is probably more applicable, right? Had his garage door up <clears throat> a couple of months ago, playing, practicing, had earbuds in and noticed somebody was standing. There's two people standing at the foot of his driveway out on the street. He shut everything down. And Chris and Kaylee were out there in the front of his driveway. Struck up a conversation with them. And both of those people recently have been baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. And I believe they're here this morning. They're here. A man practicing the drums out in his garage. Ends up teaching a Bible study and seeing these people baptized in Jesus' name. And I believe it's only a matter of time until both of them are filled up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. But it's people who are willing to include other people into their vision that people all around us need the Lord. Back when the Salvation Army first began... Someone designed a special poster to illustrate the work of the army. Prominent on the poster was a ship that had been wrecked at sea with people in the water sinking and drowning. And the lifeboat was a representative of the Salvation Army 
reaching out his hands to the people. They in turn held their hands up to his. A pastor placed this poster on his wall. He noticed that his son would stand before it at length and gaze at what he saw. He finally said, son, why are you looking at that poster so long? The little boy replied, daddy, I'm just trying to figure out whether that man in that little boat is trying to save those people or is he just wanting to shake hands with them? Are we in our church's work really trying to get people saved? Or are we just here to shake their hand? Folks, we can do more. We can do better. We haven't arrived yet. I've instructed and taught our leadership team, and I still stand by it, that you're the lifeblood of this church. Your kindness and your warmth and your smile. We give people hope and a handshake. We give people reassurance and a handshake. We give people comfort and a handshake. We embrace people here at Grace Church. We do our best to welcome everybody. I'm not going to call the name, but we have somebody here that's going through a very tumultuous situation, a very young person here today that's going through a very tumultuous situation in their life right now. I want them to know when you come to Grace Church, we're going to do more than just shake your hand. We want you to know that you're at a place truly of hope, healing, and restoration. We're not riding around in a lifeboat just to save our family. We're here in a lifeboat to reach out to yours and we want your way to be better. We want your life to be better. We want your future to be better. We want you to have hope and promise and comfort and assurance. I have it and I'm more than willing to share it with anybody that I meet. Our hands should be outstretched in an effort to save the lost rather than just having kind fellowship with them. No more sobering, awakening thought can possess us than the fact that souls are lost without God, without hope in the world. It means for these people separation. It means isolation. It means damnation but it does not mean annihilation. A lost soul is more than a ship lost at sea without a compass. A lost soul is more than a man lost on a fog-covered mountain. A lost soul is more than a woman lost in a desert waste on the world's darkest night, more than a child lost in a trackless forest in the blackest thunderstorm. To be eternally lost is more than being left in an unexplored wilderness with horrible pitfalls, bottomless caverns, and fetid, decaying gorges all shrouded and wrapped in utter darkness and interspersed only by shrieks of unutterable woe and unmitigated heartaches. To be eternally lost is to be floundering without hope headed for an eternity without God where there is no vision you may not perish you may not perish but somebody around you may perish The psalmist said in Psalm 19, 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell. The wicked. Those who sin and transgress against God, the Bible said, shall be turned into hell. 
You don't go there because God sent you there. You go there because you're wicked. Jesus said in Matthew 22, then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him down our darkness. Well, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth where there's no vision. So Grace Church, in February of 2020, we must have a vision for lost people. Because where there is no vision, your friends, your family, your neighbors will perish. We need a vision of eternity. J. Wilbur Chapman wrote, how long sometimes a day appears and weeks, how long are they? Months move as if years would never pass away. But days and weeks are passing by and soon must all be gone for day by day the moments fly and eternity comes on. Days, months, and years must have an end, but eternity has none. It will always be as long to spend as when it first begun. Where there is no vision, people perish. And as much as you plan a vision this year for your home, your family, you choose the direction you're going to go. You'll, some of you will make career choices. Some of you will make choices for your family, for your kids, where they go to school, how much they study. You'll make all of those domestic, social, academic, cultural decisions. But I want no one here today to forget that where there is no vision, spiritually speaking, people are going to perish. And as much as we must include in our vision the lost, God help us today to never lose glimpse in a vision of eternity. You think living here is hard. You think the world is in bad shape right now. You think your life is in a mess right now. You ain't seen nothing yet. But I'm happy to tell you today that there is a heaven and it's eternal. Some of you old timers, now I feel like I'm one of them. When our kids embrace me, some of them call me Papa, as my grandsons do. And I'm good with that. Some call me Papa Murphy. I'm good with that. But they make me feel old. Sister Murphy and I and Casey went to a restaurant this past week and the hostess looked at us and said, two senior citizens. Lady, I don't need to be reminded, okay? But you old timers will remember the old song that says there's a land that is fairer than day and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there in the sweet by and by on that beautiful shore it talks about let the thought of heaven warm your heart today 
if you're tired of this rugged road as I get sometimes, then remember, it's just a little while until heaven. Phil Elwood, it's not gonna be long, buddy. We're gonna all be there with you and we'll listen and we'll smile as you shout, preach. We'll all understand. I've got my heart set today on that golden abode and I can promise you right now since I was the age of 12 when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that became my top priority and I stand in this pulpit today submitted to the call of God in ministry because I want to please him so I can live in that celestial place one of these days forever with him. Turn your eyes on Jesus, the old song says. If you do, this world will grow strangely dim where there is no vision. We've had opportunity over the past several weeks to sit down with one of the two of the finest people that I know, and that's Blake and Ajay Williams here today. When they left our fellowship and our company a couple of weeks ago, I told Sister Murph and the recent history that we've had with them, there's not been a time that we've met that she's not brought up her grandfather, Brother James Rogers, who was, oh my. On more than one occasion, some of you old Baton Rouge people, First Church people will remember, Brother Young would call on him to testify. And a lot of times, about 10, 15 minutes later, church was over. His face beat red, but proclaiming with all he had in him that one of these days this is going to be over here. I'm glad to tell, tell you today that he's already gone to his reward. Yes, he has, but I don't plan to miss seeing him again one day and to see that red-faced man testify about the goodness and greatness of Jesus that he lived and manifested all of his life. I'm here to say to you again, and I say it often, heaven is gonna be cheap at any price. And for every man, woman, boy, and girl sitting today under the sound of my voice, it's imperative that you make that a part of your vision. I could go on and on today and talk about people. I could talk about my mother and scores of others. Brother Ben just said goodbye to his mother but feels confident that she's on that golden shore. I'm here to submit to you this morning. There's not a greater priority. There's not a greater priority than to feel gravity turn loose of your feet in that moment of rapture and make your ascent heavenward to be with the Lord forever and ever. Oh, God. Oh, God. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Let's worship the Lord for a moment, shall we? Let's worship the Lord this morning, shall we? Lost souls are a part of my vision. Heaven is a part of my vision. My family will tell you that. 
But we also have to have a vision of hell. Jesus spoke the parable of the rich man and Lazarus because he wants us to see it. He wants you to perceive it. The endless condition of suffering forever. No release. No hope. No relief. Such a vision should well move us out of our place and posture of indifference when it comes to Jesus. It should chase away out of us our lethargy and drive away our carelessness. It can even cure us of stinginess. We must have a vision of hell. So your response to what you've heard today Your response to it is going to be based on what you see, what you're able to perceive. If you don't mind being lost and your family being lost, some here today, just keep on doing what you're doing. You don't have to pray about being lost. You don't have to have God's help to be lost. Just keep doing what you're doing. That dark side of eternity will be waiting on you when you arrive. In response to a message such as you've heard today, there must be action. But your action will only be based on what you see where there's no vision. If you have no vision, you won't be moved by this today. It won't bother you. If you don't have an ability to perceive, this is no big deal. We have these old traditional Pentecostals here today that testify I've been in the way for 50 years and all of that. You sit unmoved and unstirred and your eyes are without tears and you've heard countless number of sermons like this one before. We should be moved today. We should respond today, you old timers here today, because if anybody knows this, you should. If you'll stand with me this morning. A Midwestern family in the early days of the Great Depression, the early 1900s, the early 1930s, my dad went through that, was struggling to make ends meet. They were unable to afford any of the so-called luxuries of life. The father simply made it enough, made enough to keep bread on the table and to pay rent on their house. But one day the news came to that little community that a circus was coming to town. And the entry fee to go to the circus back then was one dollar. The man's little boy came running home from school excited and eager to get the money from his dad, but his father was unable to provide for that luxury. 
He regretfully told his son that it would be impossible for him to attend the circus. However, he told his son, if you go out and work hard and you work odd jobs, if you'll raise half the money, I'll give you the other half. Having never been to the circus before, the little boy worked feverishly. He worked hard to earn the money to buy a ticket to go to the circus. A few days before the circus came to town, listen to Pastor today. It's where some of you are living. Before the circus came to town, the boy emptied his bank and found that he had raised enough money to pay for half the entry fee. So his father gave him the other 50 cents and the boy ran off downtown to buy his ticket to the circus and excitedly he waited for a couple of days until the circus came to town and eagerly clutching his ticket in his hand, he rushed down to the main street and stood on the curb as the circus parade went by. A clown came dancing close to him along with the elephants and all the performers in the circus and the little boy was so excited. It was right there in front of him and he eagerly stood there on the curb and as all of that went by he was so excited and so elated. The boy rushed home after the parade was over and told his father that he had been to the circus how much fun it was. He said, I gave my ticket to that clown walking by. The father, surprised that he was home already, asked the boy to describe to describe the circus. And the boy told him of the parade that went by in the main street of town. The father pitifully took his son in his arms and said, son, you didn't see the circus. You only saw the parade. There's people here today, and mostly every Sunday, just about every Sunday, you watch the parade of the Holy Ghost go by, and you give a ticket. You give your spiritual ticket, and you go tell everybody how great church was, but lacking in your commitment is a vision of the lost preaching to you today the ultimate in vision we can plan our vision for the year and we can put words up here on the wall we haven't done that for the past couple of years I got to the point it was almost a distraction but we've done dream big and we've done celebrate and we've done all kinds of things But in all of our years of vision here at Grace Church, I don't recall preaching one time about heaven, hell, and the lost. And I repent of that. The ultimate vision today is people around you that are lost and undone. And the vision for some folks here today is that you need to put heaven and hell back in your vision. 
and you live accordingly, that in the next beat of your heart, it might happen. If you don't believe death is imminent to all of us, ask Kobe Bryant's family. I'm taking that hard. And I wasn't necessarily a Kobe Bryant fan. I don't know the man. I don't keep up with the National Basketball Association. They said he was a good family man. Had several kids. One of them was killed with him. Telling you here today, the Bible said where there's no vision, people perish. And we have to update hours and edit hours to include the lost around us and eternity with and without God. If you can do that, you can make it through anything. The world will never call you again to a place of lukewarmness and sin if you understand what's waiting on all of us. So today as they come and begin to sing softly, we do this every Sunday. I want to tell you today what you're about to see and what some of you are about to experience. It isn't the circus. It's only the parade. We haven't gotten to the circus yet. It's still ahead of us. I'm going to march in front of you every service I can, along with more than 200 people sitting in this room right now, a part of the parade of the kingdom to show you the great manifestation of the Holy Ghost and what can happen in your home, your life, your family, your kids, everything you do, everywhere you go. You're going to see a parade of Jesus. Every time you walk through the doors of this building, we're going to put his float out in the forefront, if you will. But I want you to know, I want you to know, as great and wonderful as it can be at times, it isn't the circus. That's still yet to come. We're still in parade mode down here. So as they begin to sing and everybody come down around the floor, your action, your action today, your response to what you heard will tell the Holy Ghost, will tell Grace Church where you stand when it comes to your vision. There's not a greater one right now than what you just heard. There's not a greater vision you can have for your family, for your home. Somebody determines I'm not just going to watch the parade go by But I'm going to join in with them And one of these days I'm going to make heaven my home My family is going to be home